As Vic said, we're towards the end of our Loving Others series. So we have been talking about the second half of our mission statement and also coincidentally the second half of the greatest commandment to love one another is yourself. Uh, So we've been talking about seeing the other and relating to the other and serving the other. And all of these things have two sides to it. So there, if, if you are loving someone, there is someone who is being loved. If you are seeing someone, there's someone who is being seen. Serving someone, there's someone who's being served. And I want to, sh- this morning, suggest that we are to be on both of those sides and to do both of those sides well. So we need to love others, yes, but we need to learn how to be loved well. Um, and we can be that simultaneously. So for example... I have a good friend who has kids about the same age as me, and we're good mums, I think, overall. Um, But sometimes we don't feel that way, and from time to time, we'll call each other and express our disappointment, not necessarily in the kids, but in our own behaviour, probably towards the kids, and we'll feel like rotten mothers. And so in that conversation, as there should be with any good friendship or relationship, there's a balance between giving reassurance and receiving reassurance. So I'll say I'm a terrible mother and she'll say, no, you're not, you're wonderful. I'm a terrible mother. And I'll say, no, you're not, you're wonderful. Okay, so there's, there's this, you know, you're both of those often at the same time. Now in our culture, and I think uh, in the Western world and, and particularly in New Zealand culture, we take great pride in being independent people. Um, and sort of this idea of having our own identity and doing our own thing. Um, We celebrate independence. And when I say Independence Day, even though I may be the only US-born one here, you probably think of this, July the 4th, right? This is the day that the 13 American colonies at that time um, became independent or declared their independence from the British Empire. And so they became the United States of America. And it is... I would say, the most celebrated day of the, of the American calendar year. Um, so we take pride in independence. As women, I think we've come a long way with being independent. I mean, we have a woman leader for our country. <laughs> um, and, and that's a good thing. We would say she's a strong, independent woman, and we would mean that positively, and it is a positive thing. We celebrate our youth's independence, moving on, getting there driver's license. Actually, I'm not so sure we celebrate that. <laughs> we nervously encourage them to do that. They probably celebrate that. Um, moving into a flat on their own, you know, this idea of doing, of, of doing it on your own, becoming responsible. And it even starts really young. Before we had our first child, I was given a book called The Contented Baby. Has anyone read that book? No, I won't say whether to or not to. But I'm the kind of person that if you give me an instruction manual, I will read it from cover to cover, right? So if, you, if someone gives me a book that looks like an instruction manual for baby, how to work a baby, you know, I took it quite seriously. The preface of that book was that we are trying to move our children from dependency to being independent. So this is a good thing. So this is things like self-settling, sleeping them in another room, getting them to feed themselves as early as they can and toilet training as early as they can. Um, 
which is, which is wonderful. I don't necessarily disagree with that. It's just by child four, um, your goals are, are not so lofty. They're just really about making sure you don't leave one behind from a building or that, you know, that's, that's about as, as high as the goals get these days. So independence, it's a great thing. Let's look at the words that, that I was looking up to describe independence. Um, they, they're positive, self-determining, autonomous, self-reliant, individualistic, free thinking. It's good, isn't it? It's a good term. However, I think the problem with revering this idea of independence is that we tend to think quite negatively about dependence. So some of the words that we use for dependence seem to be like a lack, lack of skill or lack of knowledge or needing to be supported by someone. And it sounds like a negative thing. And this morning, I want to suggest that it's not a negative thing, that it's actually something that we've been created and designed to do. I just want to take you on a little philosophical journey with this idea of independence and how I don't really think that that there's such a thing as true independence or being a truly independent person. Um, even take the example of the child that you want to become independent. The reason that we teach them these behaviours is so that they can work well in a society, right? The irony is that you want them to function well in community with others. Uh, what's the point in trying to control our anger if there's no one to be angry at? What's the point in trying to foster compassion in our children if there's no one to be kind to? All of our intellect and our emotions are really gauged off of this idea of the other. Um, that's not my own theory. Uh, the, there's an ancient African philosophy called Ubuntu, um, which is essentially that our identity is discovered in relating to others. So they say this, I am because you are. So it's simple, but I think it's really profound. We only know that we're unique because of the other. I'd also suggest that in our day-to-day -day lives, we don't ever really function independently. We depend on society at large to keep us going. I guarantee the bed you got up um, out of this morning was not one you built yourself. Or the water that you used, you didn't go to the source and get that. That came by a number of societal processes. We can't even access our own money without relying on a bank and technology. Unless you hide it under your bed or something or your cash, I don't know. So we rely on a lot of things to get through our day-to-day -day lives. We are not truly independent people. And I think that dependency, as I said before, is part of God's creational intent for humanity. I think it's wrapped up in who he is. It's not a weakness. It's natural and it's beautiful and it's necessary. A positive example of dependency, and I'm going back a little bit in time here, but I used to play um, volleyball at university and in my early 20s, which is obvious because of my height, right? <laughs> I was the shortest person on the team, and there's some disadvantages to that. So if, in, in the back row, your attack, and that's fine, I could serve, dig, die for a ball, and that was okay. But as you know in volleyball, you rotate each service, so when it, when it points scored and the next person's up to serve, you rotate, so you're all changing positions. Well, the worst position for a short person is center front. I mean, I could barely 
touch the top of the net, right? And there's nothing I can do about my height. Um, and I, I know maybe you can practice things for jumping higher, but um, we had to develop a play um, that counteracted my lack of height. So we would always position so that the tallest person was behind me, um, so centre back. And instead of people from the sides setting to the centre so, so that I could spike it, they would set back to the tall person so that they could come in and spike the ball over and, and attack. Does that make sense? It's called a back row attack. It's a neat thing when you see teams working together like that. My son is a defensive player in soccer and he did not once score a goal um, the whole season, but he defended a whole lot of goals. And it's neat to see that. And that is a beautiful part of dependency. We've got to rely on team members. There's a reason why we have more than one instrument up the front and more than one singer. Doesn't it sound more beautiful when you've got musicians and singers cut drumsticks and play that? We depend on our drummers and our bass players and our guitarists. So it's a, it's a good thing to be dependent on each other. And I'd say that when you recognise your dependency, you can develop a heart of gratitude and you are grateful. And I was thinking that even this morning. I'm so grateful. I was grateful being up there. I asked Sean to come play because I didn't want to be you know, exposed and, and he came and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that all the musicians worked together to do what they did. Um, I was away last weekend um, in Christchurch without the kids and family and I, that was an independent thing except that I was depending on Michael to look after all the kids and I'm grateful for that when I recognise that. Right. And there is a great example in the Bible, um, Exodus 18, if you've got your Bibles with you, but it is up on the screen. I discovered this story only a couple of weeks ago, and when I read it, I was just laughing, and I'm thinking, people are people, eh? They are just, whether it was back then and now, we sort of tend to have the same behaviours and, and um, attitudes. And so we're reading this about Moses. And this is when... The setting is Moses had led the people out of Egypt. So this is he had gone through the Red Sea and defeated the Egyptian army and brought the Israelites through on the other side. So he's already, God has already um, shown his sovereign power through Moses and they're camping out now in the wilderness. And the story is that uh, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, was bringing back uh, Moses' wife Zipporah and her two sons to Moses. I don't know where they had gone and why he was bringing them back, but they weren't part of this um, coming through the Red Sea. And so the father-in-law brings um, the wife back and the sons back and he shares a meal with Moses and they talk about this amazing um, victory that the Israelites have had. And Jethro acknowledges God, you know, the God of Israel as the sovereign God. And he stays overnight, and this is where we'll pick up the story, and he says this, The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? 
Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Do you see the humour in it? I, I found it humorous that Moses is sitting there making all of the decisions while everyone just kind of stands around and waits from morning to night, it says. So I can just picture long queues and people just milling about while Moses is the one making all the decisions. Can you see yourself here? I, mean, I can, not that I've led people out of you know, Egypt and through a Red Sea or anything, but I just think in my home life, even with the, the number of kids that are bringing their disputes to me and asking for this and that, and it feels like they're just standing around waiting for me to make decisions for them all day from morning to night. You might feel like that in your workplace, you know, that people are relying on you to make all of the decisions. I wonder if we put other people in this decision, uh, in this position. I wonder if Vic ever feels like that. (laughs) So Moses was doing it all himself. And here's what the father-in-law says. He replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. And then he goes on to say, listen to me and I'll give you some advice. And he talks about gathering other people to teach them and train them up, trustworthy people, select, he said, to select capable people um, and to get to share the load. And in verse um, 22, it says, that'll make your load lighter because they will share it with you. So this is his suggestion and his strategy of this, right? It's not good. It's not good. Because we can't handle everything alone. And I just feel like that is for a lot of us here this morning. There's a lot of things you carry that I believe God would say to you, you can't handle that alone and you weren't created to handle that alone. And it might not be tasks, it might not necessarily be a workload or what you're doing in the home. It might be relationship issues It might be financial problems. It might be things that are building. And God is saying, you weren't made to handle this alone. It is not good to handle it alone. You'll wear yourself out. Asking for help feels weak, I think, to a lot of us. It's hard to ask for help. I get that. Sometimes it's like, I don't know how to ask for help. I don't know who to ask for help. And I'd suggest to you this morning that there can be a strategy in how you ask for help and it can be pretty smart. You know, we don't need to wait till we've fallen to pieces before we ask. In fact, Moses' father-in-law says, um, do this before you wear yourself out. So there's a preemptiveness about asking for help. And there's, there's some, yeah, I do, I think it's a smart thing to think about who can I ask The other part of it is being receptive to help. Um, There's a great quote in this book. I've been reading Authentic Relationships from Wayne Jacobson. He says, We blame others for not caring when we haven't given them anything real to care about. 
You know, we go from day to day sometimes or week to week and we'll say, we're fine, I've got this. It's a real Kiwi thing. I've, you know, I've, I've got it, it'll be fine. Um, and then there's times where we think nobody cares. But have we given them anything to care about? You know, have we shared where we're really at? And people need to be asked. You, you can't just wait for people to maybe sense something that you need it. They need to be asked. And I suggest that we need to be bold enough, brave enough, smart enough to ask for help. Jesus didn't expect us to do it alone, did he? As I said earlier, he's helping and relying um, is in God's nature. He's, God is described in the Old Testament as a God of all comfort, and that's similar to this description of what we um, see in the New Testament, the term paraclete, which is the idea of someone coming alongside us, advocating for us, acting on our behalf. Um, in John 14, 16, 17, Jesus, when he's talking to his disciples, he's about to leave. He says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. So Jesus, firstly, here is saying another advocate, referring really to himself as the first advocate or the first paraclete. So Jesus was there to help, is there to help. And then he's sending the Holy Spirit to us to help us, to come alongside us. He didn't expect for us to just get on with it on our own. He expected us to get on with it with each other and with the help of the Holy Spirit. And the the beautiful thing about this is that where do we see the evidence of the Holy Spirit the most? I think it's in the body, in this church. In Ephesians 2.22, it says, And in Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. This is where the Spirit lives and dwells, in this collective body. And I think this is where we see the Spirit mostly. I think He's best seen when we come together, we support each other, we encourage each other, we help one another. There's ways that we can do this, and it's all through the New Testament about being kind to one another, forgiving one another, being generous to one another, bearing with one another, not just bearing each other's burdens, but just you know, getting our, over ourselves sometimes for the sake of someone else. Hebrews 10.24, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So it's something that we do together. We ask for help. We be people who are reliable and able to be relied on and trustworthy. I'm just, I'm going to summarize here. It's Labor Weekend, right? So we can finish early. So, really, this is just to say that we need to recognize and celebrate that we're dependent people. Make a commitment to be grateful for those people that you are dependent on. Ask for help before you're worn out. When you recognize things are getting too much for you to bear, offer help. Be people of good character, 
who stand up to lead alongside others if that needs to be. And I think that the outcome of that is that we become a group of believers that really bear witness to who Jesus is. We become people that help and show that Jesus is a helper. We become interdependent and we show true loving of one another. So love and be loved.